Hook them up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Yes, ma'am, you had better. Let's get them up. Get them going. It's Monday, the Monday after. Frustrating weekend for the Texas Longhorns, a humiliating weekend for the Dallas Cowboys, disappointing for the uh, Houston Texans. Great weekend for the Texas Rangers, middling weekend for the Astros. We'll get to all of it. It is a Monday on Hook 'em Up with Ian Rod B. And safe to say, five hours likely not enough to cover all the ground we need to cover this morning. As the Longhorns head into their bye week after a uh, gut punch loss at the Cotton Bowl, we'll talk about it with you. The autopsy after a 34-30 loss to your rival in the final game as uh, members of the Big 12 Conference, but uh, still plenty to play for. We'll look forward, but also look back at uh, what happened Saturday and what uh, the future holds for the Horns. We dive in on a Monday morning, 9 October. Thanks for being with us. Appreciate you finding us, whoever you do. Give you plenty of options, of course. You can uh, tune in on 101.9 on the FM dial, AM 1260 as well. Also digitally all over the world. If you need to find us or would love to find us, we appreciate you doing that. Uh, As long as you have internet and uh, a smartphone, you download that uh, Horn app. You can uh, listen to us with a touch of a button. Also on our our website at hornfm.com. Our Twitch channel is up and running this morning. You can watch the proceedings. Also on our YouTube channel as well. Same thing at uh, the Horn Austin on YouTube. Appreciate you finding us. As we launch five hours and a five-hour conversation, five hours a day, five days a week, here on Hook 'em Up with Ian Rod V. Look who it is across the uh, the desk. He is our shutdown corner, who the Longhorns could have used on Saturday. Safe to say, now a proud papa. And, uh, of course, uh, from DB High down in the 713, DBU right here in the 512, four stops in the National Football League. He is... The uh, football theorist, Blackster Thomas himself. What's up, Rod Babers? I appreciate the intro, brother. And, uh, yeah, we got a lot to get into. Uh, the Texas OU game did not disappoint, but the Cowboys certainly did. Sorry, Cowboys fans. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Hello, uh, darkness, <laughs> Cowboys, my old friend. Look at Ty, Ty back there. Ty's back. Did you say darkness or darkness? Oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, not much of a difference last night. Yeah, you got that small DAC energy. You need that big DAC energy, and you did not get that at all. So we'll break that down. Of course, we'll talk a lot of Texas, Oklahoma. Um, that was a great game, though, now on the rewatch, man. It really was. a. If you're just watching from a oh, fan perspective, you weren't. Heavy, heavyweight fight. Yeah, exactly. You weren't involved and heavily emotionally invested like we all were. Uh, and just a fan of college football. It was a That was a win for college football is what that was. Because if you're Greg Sankey, you're like, yes, I get this. Oh, this is going to be beautiful. You get to add that to the SEC. I mean, that was a fantastic game. But, of course, Longhorns came. Um, on the losing end of it. So we'll get to that. Um, before we do that, of course, every morning, like we uh, must do and should do and we love to do, is salute those who serve our society built on the selflessness of service. Uh, so for all those out there, we know there is an honor but also a burden to serve. So we appreciate you in any capacity you uh, decide to serve, whether it be God, country, or community. Uh, we want to make sure that we give a shout-out to all of you up early with us, the first responders, the uh, teachers, uh, the nurses, the uh, the soldiers, the, uh, the cops, everybody out there. We appreciate you. No doubt about that, and uh, appreciate all the, that joined us over the weekend out at our watch party out at uh, oh, yeah. on Cedar Park there at Leander at the crossover. Also, everybody that came out to Terry Black's Barbecue on Friday afternoon. That was good. A lot of people hit Great me time. up. Said they had a Great good time. Great time man. out there, and uh, also the uh, 
Of course, the watch party, the in-game watch on uh, Inside Texas on the on Texas Football Channel, your post-game show. A uh, lot to chew on. Let's get to the headlines first, and we'll dive into the uh, the particulars of what went on in, in Dallas on Saturday. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bring you the news. Get you caught up to start your Monday. Start with college football. Of course, the Monday after, that frustrating last second 34-30 loss to Oklahoma at the Cotton Bowl for the Longhorns. They tumble six spots in the top in the AP Top 25, down to number nine, still in the top ten. Five and one horns now slotted just behind Oregon, just ahead of USC as they head into their bye week. OU, meanwhile, rose seven spots to number five with the win. Georgia remains atop that pole, followed by Michigan, Ohio State, and Florida State. Uh, to the NFL, and safe to say the Longhorns humbled a bit in Dallas on Saturday. Last night in San Francisco, the Dallas Cowboys were flat humiliated in their showdown game with the 49ers, 42-10 to final. Kyle Shanahan's squad dominated in every way. They racked up 422 total yards. Cowboys had just 197. Brock Purdy threw for 252 yards and four touchdowns, three of them to his tight end George Kittle. Dallas Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott finished with 153 yards. One TD, but three interceptions. Dallas now 3-2 and two on the year. Niners are 5-0. and oh. They joined the Philadelphia Eagles. The league's only two unbeaten through five weeks. Philly beat the L.A. Rams 23-14 yesterday afternoon. Tough loss for the Houston Texans early in the day yesterday in Atlanta. Their rookie quarterback, C.J. Stroud, put them in front 19-18 with a touchdown pass to Dalton Schultz with under two minutes to go. But he left Desmond Ritter and the Falcons too much time. Ritter and the Falcons drove back down, kicked a game-winning field goal as time expired. Houston loses. They fall to 2-3. and three. Game back of both Jacksonville and Tennessee in the AFC South. Jags held on to beat Buffalo in London yesterday in a good one, while the Titans took down the Colts in Indy. Major League Baseball, huge weekend for the Texas Rangers. They're now 4-0 in the postseason. They beat Baltimore 11-8 yesterday in Baltimore. Mitch Garver belted a th- third-inning grand slam to help give Texas a two-games-to-none lead over the Orioles in that best-of-five divisional series. Rangers have outscored the Rays 25 Rays and O's 25 to 11 through four playoff games. They can close out the series on Tuesday night in Arlington. Houston Astros led to Minnesota knotted at one in their divisional series with the Twins after they lost to Minute Maid Park last night six to two. Former Astro Carlos Correa had three hits, drove in three. Twins right-hander Pablo Lopez dominated for seven shutout frames. One day after they were eliminated from the MLS playoffs with a 4-2 loss to the LAFC. Major news from Austin FC headquarters yesterday. In a statement, Austin FC Sporting Director Rodolfo Burrell reaffirmed his faith in head coach Josh Wolf, but announced changes within the scouting and player personnel departments for the club, including the departure of the, chief, the club's chief scout, as well as the team's vice president of player personnel. He also announced the club has added five new full-time scouts will be stationed throughout Europe and South America. Burrell stressed that identifying global and national talent and a new long-term vision for roster construction is paramount. He closed the statement by saying, I believe Josh and his staff deserve increased levels of support from our scouting network, and we intend to deliver that support immediately. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Halloween here is scarier than an OU cheerleader without makeup. But nothing scarier than missing out on employee pricing on all our zero-turn mowers this month at Top Gun. TopGun.net will shoot you straight. All right. Um, I, w- I rewatched the game. Uh, got a chance to take some notes. And I'm actually, now that I watched, I'm actually more complimentary of Oklahoma, and I'll give them a lot of credit. I know Longhorn fans... Uh, they want to talk about the um, the mistakes, the self-inflicted wounds of Texas. But, guys, they weren't unforced errors. <laughs> Oklahoma came into the game leading the country in interceptions. They got two of them. They came into the game leading the Big 12 in takeaways. They got, <laughs> you know, they got a lot of takeaways. And you look at Dylan Gabriel. I mean, one thing we kept saying before the game, all we leading up to the game, Texas hadn't faced a real quarterback. They just hadn't. They just hadn't faced a real quarterback yet. 
and Dylan Gabriel was more comfortable in that system than anybody else, and you saw that comfort level. I mean, Texas could not get him uncomfortable. Uh, and they broke tendency. To win big games, you got to break tendency. They did a really good job. Dylan Gabriel was tied for the most rushing attempts he's had in his career. Uh, and he's had a long career. <laughs> and that's the most rushing yards he's had in his career. Texas didn't think, and I didn't think, that they would have court, that many quarterback design runs for him. And they did. I mean, And the quarterback draw was just deadly. An average over 10 yards per attempt running the quarterback draw. <laughs> it's the quarterback draw alone. Well, I remember last week, Rod, when we were, I mean, so much we talked about last week for so many hours of previewing that game. And I went back and looked at the stats of Dylan Gabriel, and he wasn't a running quarterback coming into this game. I mean, you know, if you watch his career at Central Florida in here, he can run, but throughout this year, he hadn't run much. Uh, He he had run for two touchdowns, but both came in the the deep red area. And um, obviously, they broke that out for this game. They had saved it for this game. It's something we talked about. And uh, I, I agree with you, Rod. I know Longhorn fans don't want to hear it, but at some point, you've got to tip your cap to your opponent. Um, you know, on that day, Oklahoma was more prepared. Uh, they were better coached, and they were more physical than Texas. Exactly. Um, they played <laughs> desperate football. Uh, Texas did not. Texas was, you know, if you, if you could eliminate the first quarter for the quarterback, who was brilliant after the first quarter, Quinn yours was outstanding for the second, qu- third, and fourth yeah. quarters. Yes, he was. He was every bit the equal of Dylan Gabriel. Um, but you can't eliminate the first quarter. I mean, the two turnovers were critical. Uh, the two interceptions uh, took points off. They gave points or allowed points for Oklahoma and then took points off the board um, after the big fake punt and all the things they did in that first quarter. That first quarter was worth worth the price of admission. That thing was like... Golly, it felt like three quarters and one quarter all that went on there. But, but what the key to the first quarter was, and it's something else that I brought up all week long, you know, Sark admitted early on in the season after the first three games, well, you know, basically two of our opponents gave us a look that we didn't see on film, and that's why we started slow, why Quinn started slow. And what did I say? And you played the cut, uh, E, of Cole McCoy. <laughs> uh, saying, yeah, Friday, just one yep. thing you know about Venables is he's going to show you something you ain't seen on film. It's the way it is. And so, you know, basically we hypothesized the two games that Quinn saw something on the on the field different than what he saw on film, so he wasn't prepared for it, was Rice and Wyoming. You had slow starts there. He still found his groove. I mean, that's the maturity factor that you like to see from Quinn, just like in this game, right? He didn't let it spiral out of control. But the truth of the matter is he started slow, and Xavier Worthy was on the record, and Jonathan Brooks in the postgame on the record saying, yeah, they gave us a look we hadn't seen. They gave us a look we hadn't seen. That's the key to the slow start. You know he's going to find his groove. As, as he mentioned, he found his groove. But the slow start really is what Oklahoma needed so that they could have kind of a, a gangbusters first quarter and stay in it. That was key. And I'll give uh, Sark credit, too. He coached like he coached his butt off in that first quarter. Remember I said you got to match energy and match momentum? He did that multiple times. The fake punt, going for it on fourth down. He knew, like, oh, man, I can't let them monopolize the momentum and the energy. I got to get it back. And that's, what, that's why that first quarter was so good, because yep. both of these coaches know how to coach in this game. Despite his quarterback's <laughs> mistakes. And then, uh, look, uh, I, you know, Rod, you said all last week, the Longhorns have multiple paths to victory, and they still almost stole the victory after all the mistakes. That close. Um, but OU had one path to victory, um, and they, they achieved it. I mean, yep. that's huge credit to Brett Venables and his staff. Damn right. They, they needed to force some Texas mistakes, mm-hmm. take advantage of those mistakes, and their quarterback had to have a huge game. And Dylan Gabriel's now firmly in the Heisman Trophy debate. That was a hell of a game. Now in the top five. I mean, he I know Longhorn fans don't want to hear that, but, man, he played a phenomenal football game. Mm-hmm. Uh, 285 yards and a touchdown. He ran for 115 and, and the score. It was a I BY mean, type game he had yeah, out there. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? And, um, <laughs> and, and Oklahoma needed every bit of it. Uh, so we'll they go. Did. Well, no, that's the big picture 
I think macro view of what went on. Yeah, give them credit. I just want to say give them. We will talk about Texas. Sure, we'll mistakes. get into the uh, mistakes but, Texas made. Uh, the, the, they won that game. They won the game. They, they won, won the game. They, they, were, they, they were the better team uh, for that day. Now, it doesn't mean they won't be. They'll be the better team if they meet again in Arlington, which I think is a strong possibility. No doubt. The way the rest of the conference looks, you know, if you look at the Longhorn schedule, they got a bye week now, six weeks to go, and you know, gosh, the, the six opponents have fifteen combined losses. I mean, there's not a juggernaut on the rest of their schedule. The best, nope. the best team left as far as record through through the first half of the college football season are BYU, right? And BYU's mm-hmm. coming here. Challenge, yeah. But you know, Oklahoma uh, has earned the right. Right? We questioned Oklahoma because they hadn't played any any great competition. But as we said a lot last week, that allowed them to put together a game plan uh, that could maximize their ability to beat Texas and. Uh, they did. They yeah. did just that. Uh, they absolutely did, and their quarterback was outstanding. Uh, but I think all of us in our, who are college football fans would hope for a rematch uh, for a Big 12 championship in six weeks or seven weeks from now. Longhorns have a chance to make that happen um, because it's, uh, it, it absolutely could. But uh, one path to victory for Oklahoma. They executed it. Props to Venables. Props to uh, you know their side. And then let's see them again in Arlington, I think, would be the mantra for the Longhorns moving forward. Yeah, I remember it, when we did the in-game live watch, uh, the, the the term I kept using was this team is playing out of character. Right? Yes, Texas uh, out of character in a big way. And Sark said in the post game, he was like, yeah, we were just out of character. They were. I'm right? And you got to give OU credit because they put Texas in a position where you know they were their own worst enemy at times. But, man, in the Texas OU game, and Texas had, by the way, Texas had more experienced players. Remember, that was one of the advantages, too. We were like, yes. oh, man, Texas, they got guys who played in this game. Oklahoma's got a lot of new guys, 40-something new guys on their roster who don't who don't nothing, who know nothing about the environment of uh, the Texas OU game. And that was supposed to be an advantage for Texas, but it wasn't. They were the more penalized team, so they were the more disciplined team in that, in that environment. They let their emotions get the best of them a lot of the times. Oklahoma did not. We thought Texas was going to win the lines of scrimmage. Clearly, Texas is going to win the lines of scrimmage. They got bigger bodies. They've been battle-tested. They went up against Alabama and Tuscaloosa and won the lines of scrimmage. Surely, they're going to beat Oklahoma in the trenches. They did not. (laughs) That was not a guarantee. They did not just dominate Oklahoma. I don't know if it was a push or whatever. They did not dominate Oklahoma in the lines of scrimmage, so you can't say they won that, even though we thought that would be an advantage. And Quinn Ewers, I thought he played a great game, but truth is, he didn't outplay Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel had his, the best game he might have played in his career. Right? Yeah, it was but, a, but, one for the ages. Yeah, but he he didn't outplay Dylan Gabriel. So that's that's a big part of it. And the injuries. All right. Injuries are they had injuries too, by the way. They had multiple starters go down. Texas had multiple starters go down. That's a part of a physical contest. So let's not make tons of excuses about that. There's a lot of things that Texas assumed would be an advantage were not an advantage in this contest. They hadn't been a turnover prone team, but going up against Oklahoma, a more opportunistic defense. They turned the football over, and they still found ways to bounce back. But so you've got to give more props to Oklahoma in the way. And, and by the way, I'll get my criticism of Sark. I, I don't have m- much to criticize. Honestly, I thought he did a, a good job learning, learning how to coach in this game. Um, his his start was a little predictable, and he was very predictable on the the goal line. Right, the goal line stand for Oklahoma that was too predictable. So being predictable was probably my biggest complaint. And the, the the clock management at the end of the game. Now looking back on it, e, it's it was bad. You you got to find a way to waste to, to to squeeze a little bit more time off of that clock. That's a that's that's an indictment on his feel of the game or lack thereof. You everybody well, knew Dylan Gabriel. You don't need to give that guy the ball back. He's like, well, you don't need to give that guy the ball back. And that he he allowed him to get and I know you got to score but there were there were in terms of situational football there was there were plenty of opportunities for him to milk 
probably 30, easily 30, 40 more seconds off the clock. Well, I think you can criticize easily. Stark for the, the game, the clock management at the end of both halves, right? Because he gave the Longhorns had the ball in control approaching halftime, knowing OU was going to get the ball coming out of the half, and they ended up kicking a field goal there after a, I wasn't a big fan of the Jordan Whittington end around in, that, in, in the red area at the end of the first half, and that gave Oklahoma a chance to go down and kick a field goal before mm. the first half ended. Yeah. And then, you know, look, I mean, this is where when you say injuries – you're not an excuse, but the Longhorns were in control of that game, and had, Oklahoma was tired. I mean, their mm-hmm. their defense was flat gassed, and they they the Longhorns ran an RPO play on a second down uh, with the clock running. That you know the the when, when when Jake Majors got hurt in the first half, they put in Connor Robertson to play center, <laughs> and he did not have a great game. I mean, 62 wasn't really ready to play. It didn't feel like. Now he was put in a tough spot. That's a tough spot, man. Um, because remember <laughs> the the Longhorns. The long, here's where the Longhorns, where injuries do impact you. It's not it's not an excuse, but you know Cole Hudson would have been the backup center, right? If Cole Hudson were healthy, who the Longhorns expect to get back for the Houston game, he had been the cross-trained player to play center if Jake Majors yeah. went down. He wasn't available, so you're down to your third-string center, essentially. Mm-hmm. And he did not have a great game. And there was a play-action or an RPO play where he got beat and uh, missed a block, and it turned into a sack. So then there's a negative play. So now it's second and 14, Rod. Uh, or Yeah, third, yeah, second and 14, so the Longhorns ran the ball once, no, so yeah, so on a first down play, second and fourteen, that's where the clock management at the end of the game hurt. If the Longhorns run up, just run the ball there. Uh, get you, don't don't do the RPO thing. Just just hand it off. Let the clock keep running. I think you're exactly right because I think Oklahoma was dead in the water. They were tired. Yeah. Instead, the quarterback decided to keep it on the RPO, get sacked, and um, Oklahoma then took the advantage because they took a timeout. Texas had to make a decision of what we want to do here. And Sark decided, okay, let's let's not give this away. We got to get the field goal. We got to take the lead because he wasn't in field goal range. Yes, time. he was like seven, right. six yards away. Right, and you got from Bert Bert Auburn. Auburn's. Yeah, yeah that's territory. right. Right, so the field goal knocks you. The sack knocks you back out to where you're not in comfortable field goal range anymore. That sack was critical. That was a critical play in the game, and it you know it just so happens that happens to a young guy that's in the in a big spot for the first time. And Oklahoma made a play, and uh, that really forced. I thought Texas was going to do exactly what you said. Felt like doing the in-game watch and watching in real time. Okay, because you're kind of playing strategy with with Texas. Okay, they can they can milk this thing, get one more first down. Mm-hmm. They're kicking the field goal in the last play of the game. Yep. And Oklahoma's out of timeouts, and that sack was really big in the play, and because it set Long, Longhorns back. Then they just had to get back into makeable field goal range and not turn the ball over. Bert Auburn nails the kick and. You know, there was too much time. Then you can talk about the defensive effort the, uh, going the other way because yeah, but once, the, my thing is you shouldn't have put your defense in that position. You're right about that. You've been have you been watching that game? Right? Yeah, you should have been thinking, hell no, 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 no. I cannot let my defense try to decide this game going up against that guy and the way he's playing. Sometimes I feel of the game. Sometimes you got to throw out the strategy and go, okay, I got three, I got three and a half quarters of data. No, you should have milked more time off the clock. Yeah, think about this. You, this, I'll give you the times when the, the ball was snapped on that drive, all right, that last offensive drive for Texas. After you get the the X-Man reception, right, it was a second and 10, X-Man gets a 12-yard reception, you start first and 10, that's when you start going up-tempo, which I understand you're going up-tempo because he saw something he liked in the, in the Oklahoma secondary. They had an injury. Remember, they moved Key Lawrence. They had multiple injuries in the secondary. They moved Key Lawrence to corner, and Sark said, I like it, I like it, I'm going, I'm going. Totally get it. But sometimes you can go tempo but not go up-tempo. Here's when they snapped the ball. They snapped it 28 seconds left on the clock. Uh, 
These are the downs consecutively. 28 seconds left on the clock. 28 seconds left on the clock. 27 left, 27 left on the clock. 23 left on the clock. 24, 34. Yep. Dude, just take five to eight extra seconds right there. Then how much time do they? They got the ball with 77 seconds left. It took them a minute to get down the field. You got the ball left with what, 15, 16 seconds left? E. Yeah. Dude, five more seconds each down. Five more seconds each down. Five more seconds each down. That would have been 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. 30 seconds right there. They get the ball back with what? 30-something seconds left? Come on, man. Yep. That's a uh, – it yep. bothers me. That, that, that's, I know you liked what you saw, but you didn't have to go up-tempo. Just go tempo. Just go a little slower. Just a little slower. Well, and I will say this to your everything you just said is right on. But if you're like as I was watching and then rewatch, Oklahoma was gassed, and they Oklahoma's defensive line on a lot of plays on that drive. Five seconds were, wouldn't matter. I know. Five eight seconds would not have mattered in that time of gas. I agree with I agree with you. But five to eight seconds would have mattered more taking that time off the clock for them. In hindsight, hundred uh, percent. I don't I, even know about hindsight. I know as a coach, that's your job. You're on, right. On, on, well, let me say that in real time. There were three or four snaps on that series where, where the ball was snapped and Oklahoma defensive line was still standing up. Like, they weren't even down into their stance yet. Uh, they were trying to take advantage of a tired football team and drive this thing down and score. You're right, again, uh, the, the negative play on, on second down in the high red was a critical play, and that's a play they made, and that's everything you're saying is right. I'm just playing the, the, the devil's advocate watching through the game that, okay, we got a tired team, we got a wounded team here, we're about to go down and steal this game, we're not going to settle for a field goal, we're going to stick this in the end zone and win this football game. And, um, you know, circumstances happen. But you're right. It, 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 once that happens, now you go back and say, man, we should have taken five or eight seconds off of every play. But, uh, again, I was actually doing the in-game watch and noting with Ian Boyd as we were watching the game, look at Oklahoma's defense. They're, they're like, still up. Like, their defense is like standing up when the ball snapped because they're not getting down in time. Texas was trying to take it to them. But, obviously, Oklahoma took the advantage, and uh, they end up getting a big sack and a big moment, and yeah. the Longhorns then... Yeah, uh, they were so tired, then why did they get the sack? That's my point. So take the extra five seconds. The five, the, the time mattered more. The time would have mattered more. You, you, you're right. You, you still, they still end up making a play. Take the five seconds. Let them get a sack. It's okay. Go well, tempo, not up-tempo. Well, that was a dang coaching mistake, man. That was Coach Steven. That was Coach Steven rearing his ugly head at the wrong time. You got him early in the game. You got him on that goal line where he decided, I'm just going to go jumbo the whole damn time. You got Coach Steven there, and you got him late in the game. You, just, you didn't get Coach Steven for extended periods of time, but you got him at the wrong time. And Brett Venables now 1-1 one one in this matchup. Uh, this is not going on fourth and four with 120-ish left. was the most gutless call I've seen in recent football memory. Well, look, I mean, you could have gone for it on fourth and four. But, again, if you don't get it, yeah. And you don't get points. Different conversation. Different conversation. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I do think once the circumstances, you know, went the way Rod just laid them out and the sack happened and you got to, to second and, and negative, um, you know, I think you had to take a, take a lead. I mean, you, you had to take mm. the opportunity to get the lead. I agree with that. And give your team a chance. Yeah. But, um, you know, we'll talk about the, you know, you should have never given the ball back is fair, but at the same time, once they got the ball back, I didn't, you know, the defensive effort in that spot was – there's one thing to play a prevent defense, defense yeah. Rod, but there's you still got eight guys to cover, and you didn't cover anybody. No, that's true. And uh, Jalen Ford, and yeah, I mean, and I, Oklahoma still would have gotten the ball back if you'd have milked a little bit more time, but they just wouldn't have had as much. They wouldn't have had as much time. They would have been more panicked. They'd have been more desperate. Correct, and they had no timeouts. And they had no timeouts. Okay, so to your point, Jalen Ford said they played man coverage at the end, and they were playing, I guess they were playing two high man, so two deep safeties over the top, playing man coverage underneath, and he said they got more aggressive the closer that Oklahoma got to the goal line, and it was only five plays, six if you count the P.I. They bl- the only time they blitzed was the last play. Yeah. 
they blitzed the cornerback from that side. And just and then, you know, David Bender, who basically has admitted that it was him who made the mental mistake, um, he did not, they call it ro- rolling the coverage or bumping the coverage. He did not get the roll or the bump audible. So he let, he didn't, he let yeah, man The man go. came in motion and uh, wasn't checked coverage. off. Yeah, wasn't checked yeah. off. And uh, he and uh, Keaton Crawford kind of miscommunicated on who's taking you know, who. Jaron Thompson was in there, and it was Derek Williams who was checking the coverage, who was bumping it over. And he, he gave the signal. You can clearly see on the, on the film, Derek Williams is giving the hand signal. David Bender never looks up. He never even he never looks up at all. He's looking straight in the backfield. Eyes never look up. And it's like, man, as a veteran player, you've got to be aware of the situation, man. We, we're communicating. I got, we got checks and audibles happening. He never looks up. And then Jaron Thompson takes his man. And then, yeah, you guys know how it is. All right, so there you go. We'll, we'll talk about it all morning long, the autopsy of a uh, disappointing loss. Longhorns made a lot of mistakes but still had the lead with uh, a minute and 22 to go. But uh, the loss is going to sting. But uh, doesn't end the season. Longhorns still have an opportunity to play their way back. If they win out from here, six wins, they'll play in the Big 12 title game, likely against Oklahoma, and get a rematch with that team. But uh, props to OU. Uh, they were the more physical team. They were the uh, more prepared team and took advantage of Texas's uncharacteristic mistakes. Nine penalties. I, I'm counting four turnovers, Rod, because of the goal oh, yeah. line stand. I think that's Good four point. turnovers. No, you're right. I agree with you. I think, right. I think it's a fourth turnover. That was turnover. crucial. Because, honestly, that was the most heartbreaking one. Yeah, that was all demoralizing. The that was, that, that you was... couldn't move them for a oh. foot and a half. God, that's Texas OU, the game on the line. Texas, hey, Longhorn fans, Longhorns didn't deserve to win. This is how you'll feel better about it. You had four downs on the goal line against Oklahoma, essentially to win that game, the way it works out now in retrospect. And they stopped you four times in a row, even with Byron Murphy and Tavondre sweating there. Big humans, you're paying for them. They're huge. You have the biggest old line in the Big 12. Massive. What's the point of big humans when you can't move nobody on the goal line? So when you look at it that way, Texas didn't deserve to win. You don't deserve to win a football game. Any coach will tell you if you can't get one yard on the goal line against your rival in the biggest game of the year. You didn't deserve to win. It's okay. They'll get it next time. All right, we'll come back. We're just getting warmed up uh, behind the burnt orange curtain coming. Also, some what the facts from a busy weekend. Great weekend it was. Well, I don't know if you're a Cowboys fan. That was demoralizing last night. Rough way to go to bed. Uh, If you're a Cowboys and Longhorn fan, rough weekend. We'll come back. We'll pick it up. It's uh, Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook'em Up. 101.9 101.9 AM 1260, The Horn. Look them up for sure. It's the good, the bad, and the ugly on a Monday. Good for Texas. Longhorns still control their own destiny. That loss to uh, Oklahoma, a very prepared and physical Oklahoma team. Got the better quarterback, took advantage of mistakes. They win that game. But a uh, lot to fix for the Longhorns during the bye week, but still an opportunity. They're still in the top ten in the country, number nine in the AP. And uh, I think everybody that watched that, that college football game would agree those guys played, those oh. two teams played four or five times. You know, the Longhorns had every opportunity to win. But uh, uh, key mistakes by the Longhorns, and the Longhorns have to be better in the red zone, so that was the bad part, right? Longhorns made three trips into the red zone, scored mm. three points, including that big goal line stop, which was critical. That's what you need to work on in the bye week. There's no doubt about that. That's, that's your number one priority, Sark. Get that fixed. Fix that red zone. Because that's an issue now, right? It's, at first, we weren't worried about it because they were scoring so much and they were so explosive offensively. Who cares how they're scoring? If they, they can't score in the red zone, not a big deal. They're scoring a lot of points. But now we see, you know, this is a team that you could potentially stay in the game with if you can just play bend but don't break defense because in the red zone, they struggle. 
and they were 108th going into the game in touchdown percentage in the red zone. I think now they're in 120s. Yeah, well, the interception so an for issue. Quinn Ewers early yeah. after the uh, trying to steal the momentum back. Goal line um, stand. Let's hear from Sark real quick. Then we're going to dive behind the burnt orange curtain. But Sark, after the game, talking about the playing out of character conversation. They certainly did. They hadn't been a turnover-prone team. They hadn't been a big mistake or penalty team this this year. They certainly were on Saturday. Some of it was a little frustrating because it was just out of character for us. you know. And that, That's the hard part as a coach that – I have to drill back down into of how do I make sure that I have our guys, you know, really ready to go play. And I felt really good about it. I really did. And I, these guys will tell you I told them the same thing. Um, but that's that's the life of, of a competitor and a football team. When, when you're not at your best, can you find a way to win? And I, like I said, I thought our guys showed a lot of fight and grit and resiliency to put ourselves in position to win a game when we weren't at our best um, against a good football team. And... Um, you know, we did that, and so I was really proud of them for that. I was proud of their, their ability to fight back uh, when we weren't playing great, when, when the game was kind of slanted, uh, we were kind of playing uphill there for a while, uh, and to get all the way back to have the lead the way that we did, that, that took a lot of resiliency from this group, and uh, I credit them a lot for that. I agree with that, actually. I mean, I, they, they should have been down more in the first, after the first half, in my opinion, considering the way Oklahoma played and then the turnovers early on. Um, I'll give Sark credit. He saw the way the game was going. See, his feel of the game was really good in the first quarter, in my opinion, because, you know, I always say you got to match momentum and match energy. He did that. Do you guys remember early on when Savion Red returns the kick? Go look at X-Men. They're about to do a throwback. Yeah, they were on their play. Savion Red just made a good play. What you talked about e before the game, football IQ. All right, mate, not it wasn't now now all the guys were making those types of uh, heady plays, but he made one because he thought to himself, "This uh, no, this this ain't good. It's a little murky. It's not the clear picture that I wanted." But that was setting up a throwback early on in the game. So Sark had a lot of tricks up his sleeve, and they asked him in the post game, "Hey, did you just um, see something? Were, were those adjustments that you made during the game?" And he said, "No." We had that in the bag, ready to go. The fake punt, you know, the the fort, going for it on four downs. They had a plan to come out and be really aggressive because I, I think he understood, man, crazy things that happened in this game. I better be ready to match the energy and not let them monopolize it and match the momentum. And I think he did a good job of that early on in the game. And that, that, that kept his team, in my opinion, from being down more in the game early on because they could have been. Yeah. You're right about that. Um Look, there were there were moments where the long, I think for the last three quarters, Quinn Ewers played a phenomenal football game, right? And, yes, he did. Uh, uh, but you just documented that final Texas offensive drive. Before we go behind the BOC, let's hear Sark one more time on that the mentality going into that final drive. They got the ball with four forty six to go in the game, and um, the idea would be to go down and you know end the game, never give the ball back. Here's Sark on the mindset and what went wrong. Yeah, I mean we were trying to go down and score, obviously, um, and to, to continue to run the clock out, so we had the ball last. Um, and then ultimately it didn't work out like that. So, <clears throat> you know, we got a lot of faith in our field goal unit, and, and they went out and, you know, kept the game rolling. All right, so they mm-hmm. wanted to go down, and you just went through yeah. all of the uh, – they snapped the ball too quickly with too much time on the play clock. Uh, my only argument on that is I think they had a tired Oklahoma team, but in the end it ended up biting them in the butt for sure, so I would have been wrong in my mindset no, of that. I mean, it's I see – I definitely see exactly what Sark saw, and he wanted – because they had injuries in the secondary, they were moving guys around, he didn't want them to sub, and like you said, he wanted to continue to wear them out. Um, like I said – Five more seconds. <laughs> five, five more seconds. Five more seconds per play. That's all, that's all I ask. It. Five well, more and seconds. Again, the, and that would have taken you know, 30 more seconds easily off the clock. Probably more. 
And so I would argue this too: too many passes, right? I mean, I, I've talked about the big sack that uh, oh yeah uh, happened. You know that that set him back to second and thirteen. It was a, it was a first and ten play, and Quinn Ewers was sacked for three yards by three yard loss by Jacob Lacey. That put him yeah. at second and thirteen mm-hmm. with uh, one twenty nine to go. Oklahoma then took a timeout after oh yeah yeah, and so. Um, you know, run the ball, run the ball with Jonathan Brooks. When it, to my point of them standing up at the line of scrimmage on the snap, I'm like, I was actually yelling at the screen, "Run the ball!" We're doing the inside <laughs> the Texas ball. watch because, like, like, as they're snapping the ball, Oklahoma, there's like two or three defensive linemen still standing. Yeah, just run. Yeah, you just, just pound right them. At they're, they're not ready to play. <laughs> and Jay Brooks was playing really well. I mean, he was. Yeah. I mean, he had that long touchdown run in the fourth quarter. Uh, they were that was a tired team. Yeah, and the Longhorns let him off the hook in that uh, with some play calling there. Let's go behind the burn orange curtain. Rod's got some deeper dive analyza- analyzation, analyzing of this game. The same question. What? Is behind that curtain. All right. Um, one basic- note, one note, Rod, before you go, yeah, go is ahead. that uh, as somebody pointed out on the text line, let me be fair. West Virginia actually controls their destiny. Texas does not control their destiny. If they can win out, but if Oklahoma also wins out, which would include a win at Oklahoma. In West Virginia, yeah, West Virginia, right? Can they play with they play Oklahoma? At Oklahoma. At Oklahoma, though. November the 11th. That's a tough, that's a tough one. Yeah. But you're right. They, West Virginia, I haven't watched much of them. i got to start watching West Virginia now. I they, had, they had an off week. They're so. definitely, we said a surprise team in the Big 12 every year. West Virginia is certainly the surprise team so far Yeah, they're 4-1. And, one, and mm-hmm. they had a bye week this week. They'll play at Houston. The, the, you, know, you will all get to watch them this weekend because the Longhorns play at Houston coming out of their bye week. West Virginia plays in Houston oh, that'll be fun. this Saturday. Okay, nice, nice little homework for Longhorn fans. So yeah, watch West Virginia because uh, the Longhorns can win out and be eleven and one. But if uh, West Virginia is also eleven and one, that would mean they beat Oklahoma. But o- Oklahoma now owns the tiebreaker on Texas, so keep that in your mathematical equations. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm with, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. But I forget all about West Virginia because nobody thought. Everybody thought the coach would be fired by now. Everybody thought he'd be on the hot Neil seat, Brown, yeah. uh, coaching for his job and doing a hell of a job. Uh, all right, let's talk about uh, Texas in this uh, Texas OU game just a little bit. Defensively, I know there's some frustration about really how. The lack of aggression and maybe the how conservative the defensive game plan was. I think Ian, we'll talk, we'll hear from uh, Sark and hear from some of the players too about that last drive and defending Dylan Gabriel. Once again, you do have to give <laughs> some credit to Oklahoma because they they understood we can't run right at Texas, and they really didn't. Most of their running game was just non traditional running games. Their traditional running game. I want to say they average probably three yards per carry, just tr- just traditional handing the ball off to running backs. Yep. Uh, and if you take out the stoops, and uh, uh, remember Farouk lined up in the backfield Wildcat. once or twice and ran the Wildcat. If you take that out of the equation, they average less than three yards per carry with, with traditional running game. They knew, hey, man, we can't run right at Texas. That'd be a fool's errand. So well, let's kind of find a way to run around them. Well, let's find a way to a loophole. And the, the non-traditional running game was their loophole. With with jet sweeps to the, to Drake Stoops, uh, Farouk in the backfield with the Wildcat, Dylan Gabriel and his uh, quarter, that quarterback draw, the dreaded quarterback draw. Oh, man. he ran. I, I counted five of them. E, I counted five when on my rewatch. Five for 59 yards. So... That's, yeah, that's, and, and it got Texas every time. <laughs> and it got Texas. No, no. The one time they got it was on actually... It was on the last drive. 
Remember they tried it down in the red zone. Yeah, yeah that and they run got like, was big. They got like two, one or two yards when they tried it down in the red zone on their last drive, and then they didn't get it. But uh, yeah, Texas a little too late. So that, to me, that's what you got to give them credit for. He had four ten plus yard runs. Dylan Gabriel did. So he had four scrambles. Scramble. He averaged nine over nine yards per rush on scrambles. He averaged over eight yards per rush, uh, at, at, you know, as a quarterback whole uh, totally. And he averaged, uh, like I said, you know, over over 11 yards per rush on the quarterback draw. So that was their running game, and that was not a traditional running game. Their running backs didn't do much damage at all, uh, maybe one or two drives. Which was the scouting report, right? They didn't really have a bell cow running yes. back. Uh, but I will say and they that, knew I, that. I will say that 29 Tywee Walker was their most physical running back, and he did a great job in blitz pickup. There are a couple times where he brought some pressure, and uh, there was one example where – um, you know, Jade Barron came and uh, was going to you know, had Dylan Gabriel dead to rights. Oh, I the, saw that, and, and then, the running back picked boom. him up, and then he had a big run, and then Dylan Gabriel took off. So great, that was a great play. It was a great, great blitz pickup, and that's yeah. probably why he was on the field at that point to protect the quarterback. That's a that's a great point because yeah, they didn't do much in the running game, but yeah, in terms of pass protection, I can think of a couple of plays right now uh, where they did a great job on blitz pickup. So that's number one. Just keep that in mind. Like they they really found a way around the running game, and I thought they're not going to have a running game. They'll be too. You know they'll be too unbalanced, right? They'll be too they'll be too lopsided in their offensive game plan, one dimensional. Uh, that was not the case. They uh, they added some balance, and the balance was Dylan Gabriel. Um, here is uh, let's have cut two ready here. Uh, Ty, uh, here is Sark and uh, Jalen Ford talking about defending Dylan Gabriel and how difficult, why it was so difficult. The toughest thing about Dylan Gabriel playing him today with his running ability, what was it? His running ability. Uh, I think for him. Uh, you know, just extending the plays, um, being able to, to you know, if, if his reads weren't there, able to use his legs and then find somebody open. I think he did a good job of that, especially down, um, going down, and, you know, towards the end of the game. He was able to extend the play with his legs, and he just made good plays. Yeah, people wanted to know why Jalen Ford had such a subpar game. Um, I think my man Drew Kelson uh, did a good job. He played linebacker at Texas uh, in describing, in his, in his opinion, what happened to Jalen Ford. And he said, basically, the D-line had a bad game, which means Jalen Ford's going to have a bad game. Yeah. Hard as a linebacker to have a great game when your D-line <laughs> doesn't have a great game in front of you. They usually keep you clean so you can diagnose plays. That was not the case. Now, I will say there were some times where Dylan Gabriel and Jalen Ford were right in the hole together. I mean, they were <laughs> the defense. What should have been a defensive player of the year in the Big 12 and one of the best defensive players in the country was mano a mano with Dylan Gabriel. And Dylan Gabriel made a miss. Made him yeah. made him look like you know I mean made him look like an average player, um, and that's just on dealing that. So that, there are a couple of plays like that against Jalen Ford. I don't know. That's really tough to explain. He did He's not a have a great game. He did, he did not, not play an all Big Twelve kind of game, no. and that's what you expect from your player. But you're right, D line. And look, we were talking about the, the turnovers and the penalties for Texas. The, the tackling was really bad. It was bad. Longhorn missed a lot of open field tackles uh, that, that ended up picking up. Extra yardage for wide receivers. Dylan Gabriel was more elusive than I think Texas players and anticipated, and that's why I said off the top rod that the the more prepared, the more physical. And there was one team on the field that played desperate football, like desperate football. And Oklahoma did play like the team that had lost forty nine to nothing last year in this game, and had heard about it for three hundred and sixty four days, right? And they took that desperation and that frustration to the football field. Um, you know, the Longhorns, I think, have, have rooted out a lot of the entitlement within the program, but I think some of it rooted its head a little bit. I think there were some, uh, some overlooking of Oklahoma just a bit by Texas. But in the end, give Oklahoma credit because they were the, the better side. There's no doubt about it. And uh, I know we're up against it, but I'll, I'll say this one thing because um, I want to play the Jalen Ford, Jade Barron Cup, but we'll get to it. I'm a, and now I'm regretting not, Texas not having to play Jalen Daniels the week before versus Kansas. 
I think it really would have helped them. I think they went into this game e with a false confidence in their secondary. Hell, I did. <laughs> because they hadn't faced a real quarterback. We kept saying they hadn't faced a real quarterback. They hadn't faced a real Three quarterback. straight backups. Yeah, exactly. And I, if they had faced Jalen Daniels, I think he would expose some of this stuff early on, right? Because he he's, he's, he's a dual-threat quarterback. He can run. He, he's, he's very mobile, especially um, outside the pocket. He runs to throw, uh, improvises real well. I think he'd have, he'd have forced Texas to have to solve some of these problems that were presented in the Oklahoma game for the first time. And if they'd have seen him in the Kansas game, he, I, I believe they'd had a better game plan instead of the game plan built on the false confidence that our secondary can hold up against this you know, this wide receiving core. Because they, they really didn't. But it was just more Dylan Gabriel having a hell of a game. All right, we'll come back uh, all morning long. we got five hours to discuss it. We'll also get into some of that Cowboys conversation. Not much to say after a 42-10 to beatdown. Texans get uh, beat at the buzzer. We'll get to all the rest of the conversations as well. But have all day and all week to talk all things uh, Texas football and big picture stuff. Coming back on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers. Austin, Texas Sports, The Horn. Yeah, here for you on a Monday. It was a rough weekend. Longhorns get uh, beat at the buzzer by Oklahoma 34-30. Texans and Houston got beat at the buzzer by Atlanta. In Atlanta, their quarterback C.J. Stroud put them in position to win that game. But kind of like the Longhorns, left too much time for Desmond mm, Ritter. Mm, mm. De- that sounds weird. Yeah. Left too much time for Desmond Ritter. Who went for 300 <laughs> yesterday. I know. He played a great game. He's had a great game. It's wild to say that. Though. How about this? Uh, it's a Monday after Rod where the Longhorns lose. The Cowboys got smoked. They got smoked. Aggies got beat by Alabama. So if you're an Aggie fan, you're bumming this morning. Baylor got pummeled by Texas Tech. Texas State was leading and gave up two touchdowns in the last five minutes and lost at, at uh, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what to say about the Cowboys last night. At least you're not Bill Belichick, whose team trailed by 30 points at home for the first time in his head coaching career. That's sinking fast. The Saints came to town and mollywhopped them. Hold up. Didn't they, didn't they have the worst loss in, it, in his tenure at uh, New England at New to England. the Cowboys? Back-to-back weeks. Back-to-back weeks, though. Wow. This is the first time he's trailed by 30 or more at home. That's what I'm saying. And the Cowboys gave him a historic record. 38-3. Oh, to three. Wow, man. That's, yeah. Something, well, yeah. So we know now. It's It was it was Brady. So <laughs> it's okay, Belichick. Well, hey. For sure. Timing uh, is everything. It's okay. Uh, we also have Patrick Mahomes in our What the Fact segment. He's now defeated every NFL team except the Chiefs because he plays for the Chiefs. He's beaten everybody. <laughs> they beat the Vikings yesterday. I like that. Houston Astros fans, Rod, they know Carlos Correa is a really clutch player in the postseason. He's got now got right. 61 RBI in the postseason. Had a, a, three hits and three RBIs last night against Houston. He ties David Ortiz and Derek Jeter, fourth most RBIs in, in the postseason since 1920. Mm. Yeah. Clutch player. Clutch. I was about to say, clap the clutch gene. Uh, I got one for you. Uh, well, me. we already uh, kind of went through this. We talked about C.J. Stroud. Uh, congrats to C.J. Stroud because now he does have the, the record. 186 pass attempts without interception this season. He still broke Dak's record. He broke Dak's record. He still hasn't uh, had a pick. Most in consecutive his career, pass attempts games. without interception to be- to begin a career in NFL history. So Houston's got to run the ball better if they're going to be a factor because they can be a factor. But Damian Pierce, their run game, yeah. Even though they had Laramie Tunsil and Titus Howard back this week, they they still weren't able to run the ball against a very improved Atlanta defense. By the way, <laughs> uh, Christian McCaffrey has scored a touchdown in 14 straight games. That ties Emmitt Smith. CMC. CMC. And Brock Purdy, I know uh, oh, man, he, Cowboy fans are ready to, to break him. You didn't. Is Brock um, Purdy a better quarterback than Dak now? Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. I thought it was going to be a discussion at least. No. 
Eighth time in Brock Purdy's <laughs> career, he's passed for about this? eighth time in his career that Brock Purdy are eighth time in his career. Like I say, career like he's had this long career. He just well, he got here. ten games or something like that. It's the eighth time he's passed for multiple touchdowns in his first ten career starts. That ties Kurt Warner into Sean Watson for the y'all, most y'all since nineteen fifty. Dak Purdy thing is just blow it up. Y'all just gonna say Dak Purdy's way better, better than Dak? Then what can you say? Uh, okay, who else has surpassed Dak already then this season? Who else? Are we Jerry Goff better than Dak now yeah. too? <laughs> yeah, of course. Jared Goff seems four and one. Jared Goff in the Super Bowl. So Dak two is better than Dak now too. So is, is Dak even top ten now? No. How did it bump out of the top? I 10? didn't. I didn't have him in the top ten, but that's just me. Yeah. Um, he might not be top twenty. I got. I, yeah. Oh, he's definitely top twenty. Come on, Ty. Yeah, he's top twenty. I got. Yeah. I got a stat for you. Uh, in their last nine games, the 49ers have allowed under twenty points per game, uh, and they've held oppo- their opposing team to twenty or fewer points in seven of the last nine games, and they've allowed over 25 points one time in the last nine games. <laughs> well, hey, hey, Tony Pollard, eight carries, 29 yards last night. Big game. Big game. Dak Prescott, buck 53 and three picks. How many? What, what, in a row. They came consecutively. Jeez, he just man. had a – it's like quicksand. He just kept sinking. How's that Tex Coast offense looking? Oh, like trash. <laughs> this says, uh, guys, I'm 0% concerned about the Longhorns. Team will learn from this. We'll beat them when it matters most. Well, you got to earn your way back there. And you need West Virginia to lose a game. Mm. I'll give you a stat, Rod. I got one Coming more into the game, and I, um, I had this stat before the game even kicked off, but it's now good. it's reared its ugly head. Dylan Gabriel had rushed for an average of 32 yards a game. Mm. They run. The dual-threat quarterback who shredded the Longhorns had rushed in the previous four games for 32 yards. Did those two those teams do a better job, or did they break out this run game package specifically for Texas? It's called breaking tendency, and you do it in big games, and that's how you win big games. And And that's what they did. Dylan Gabriel was their path to victory, and he outplayed Quinn Ewers. Although Quinn Ewers played great after their early rough start, Mm. he got outplayed. Yes, he got outplayed. Better quarterback won the game. Got outplayed, got outcoached. It's okay. And gave him too much time. Yeah, don't get better. All things we're talking about. That's just one hour in the books. We've got four more to go. Texas OU, Cowboys. Ty says blow it up. He's already given up on the season. Have you? Oh, boy. Astros and Rangers. Rangers will win away from the ALCS. Astros still need two more. We'll break it all down. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby.